Hi, I'm Isra Kwonga. And I'm Ryan Hunt. And we co-host Stadio, a football podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. If you like soccer or football, make sure you search for Stadio, a football podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Off the Pike presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in president select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability, no system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome into Off the Pike. I'm Brian Barrett. I needed to jump on after this one after, of course, the Celtics fall to the 76ers on Wednesday night. So a mini pod here. We'll still have our normal pod coming out at the end of the week. But man, this was ugly for most of the night, the Celtics and the 76ers. The Celtics somehow cut this thing to four with about a minute left. Then Embiid hit that dagger turnaround to make it 106-100. He's talking shit to Sam Cassell, and that was with about 38 seconds left. Now, Jalen does hit a three, and that felt like the dagger, but then Jalen hits a three, more on him in a second here, to cut it to 106-103. to And then he had a block on Maxi, which was great to see because Jalen was non-existent for the majority of the night. And the Celtics actually have a chance at the end of the game to tie things up. Porzingis misses a deep three. Give them credit in some sense for fighting back and giving themselves a chance to win the game. But really, outside of that stretch at the very end of the fourth quarter, in the first quarter, it was not the same team that we've seen for the majority of this season. The Celtics just, they didn't bring the necessary energy after that first quarter tonight. So, This was a game that it felt like you were up for in the first quarter, and then you sort of just faded away. Like, the Celtics were up 27-22 after the first, but they were never the same after that, right? I felt like Derek White gave them a lift early, him being back in the lineup. And the other thing that I thought gave them a lift early is Drew on Embiid, or I should say Drew on Embiid. That thing seemed to work early on in this game, and he was sort of flummoxed. I do wonder if that was—now, we saw Drew against Towns— And I actually tweeted out at the time, I'm like, I don't think it's going to work against a guy of Embiid's stature in terms of his size, and he will punish you in the post. Cat, the kitten, he doesn't really want to do that, right? He wants to stick outside. So I gave them credit for coming up with that. I wonder if part of that was Sam Cassell, who had coached Embiid. I wonder if he got that in Joe Mazzulla's head, or it was just Joe, whoever came up with that strategy. I thought it was a good idea, because right away, and this is after Embiid basically backs him in very easy early on in the game to essentially make it a 10-4 game really early in the game, I thought, that's when I thought this isn't going to work. But the next three possessions, Drew then forced Embiid to miss a shot near the rim. That leads to a Jalen dunk on the other side. And then he forced Embiid to turn the ball over. That led to a Tatum dunk. 
And then he stole the ball from Embiid, and that led to a Jalen layup. So right at that point in time, I'm thinking to myself, like, whoa, they really found something here. So here's the interesting part about all that. Then they went away from it. In the second half, they really just went away from Drew on Embiid for the most part, right? They started the second half with Kristaps Porzingis on him. And I thought they sort of overthought themselves, right? Maybe they wanted to give and be different looks because great players, you have to do that. It's like playing against a great quarterback in the NFL. You can't just show Tom Brady the same look every time. I mean, Dick LeBeau found that out the hard way, right? But if it was me, I would make them make the adjustment first. Drew was working on Joel Embiid. I don't know why they made that switch. But nonetheless, the problem with that is with 946 left in that third quarter, Porzingis picks up his third foul, and the Celtics pull him out of the game to protect him from foul trouble. Now, you could argue whether or not you should have done that at that particular point in time, but he was the best offensive weapon on the night with 29 points, and you put your best score in the game in this situation in a bad position trying to cover Joel Embiid because Embiid's just so much stronger than Kristaps Porzingis, and so is unfortunate, right? So I thought, really, I was kind of surprised that they went away from that. The other thing I would say, and they put it back in the bag quickly, the Cornette thing, that was just embarrassing. Cornette's on the court for three minutes. They get outscored in those three minutes, but you could see exactly what they were going to do when they decided to go to that. Right when Cornette came on the court, it was when Embiid was out there. So it actually made it a lot easier for Philadelphia from a defensive perspective because they just dropped Embiid so Embiid could just camp out in the paint for those three minutes. Now, Good thing is they didn't put Cornette back in the game. So I just thought that was weird that he would come into the game with Embiid because you know what's going to happen in that case is you're going to have the shot blocker at the rim. So I thought that was weird. And overall, I'm just surprised they didn't stick more with Drew because I thought that was interesting and I thought it worked out. Now, after the game, Joe had a weird exchange Missoula did with Gary Washburn of the Globe. <laughs> if you haven't seen this, go back and watch it. It's just it's kind of funny. I don't know what's going on between those two, but <laughs> basically... Joe Mazzulla was asked to buy Gary Washburn, like if he thought the Celtics took too many threes. And quite frankly, I don't and now I'll get into this later on. I don't think they did. And it wasn't like they didn't get to the free throw line. Now, your best two players didn't get to the free throw line, but it wasn't like as a team in this game, the Celtics didn't get to the free throw line. Right. So that was sort of an interesting thing to me is that he asked him if they thought they took too many threes. Now, you could argue whether they were the best threes. We'll get into that in greater detail, but I didn't have a problem with the Celtics taking as many threes as they did in this game. They they did not have a good night shooting the ball. But anyway, Joe then said to Gary Washburn, hey, you had a great article in 2016 about taking too many threes. You were ahead of the curve. So I thought that was pretty funny. Like the back and forth, it was just weird. And like I said, I, I don't have a problem with taking a lot of threes as long as they're good threes. And we'll get into that in a second here. Or we'll get into that later on. But it was just a weird exchange between Gary Washburn and Joe Mazzulla and this is sort of something that now I'm going to be watching the rest of the season to see if this is like a back and forth that continues to go on. And I felt like they both handled themselves fine, but it was just weird that he brought up some article from 2016. So it was just a bizarre exchange. You ordinarily don't see stuff like that after the game. And look, Joe's a really unique guy and all that, but that, that no, I found that more funny than anything else. But anyway, okay, so there's a lot of things to pick through here. But number one on this list to me, is Jalen Brown. This was just a really, really, really bad Jalen game. And look, he had awesome games against Miami and against Washington. But overall, at times, it's just been 
not the same guy we saw for the majority last year. Like some of his issues are still there, some of the problems that he has at times, but it's just, it's not the same guy we saw last year where Jalen was so great last season for the majority of the year. And he's had his moments, but look, I ran through the stuff with Pina, how he's not finishing the same way that he did a season ago. That was not the problem in the game tonight. So he hit those two late threes, but he finished four of 13 from the field. And those two threes were the only shots he hit outside of the restricted area in the game. So basically, the only time he had a shot outside of that little circle was at the very end of the game. And it's not just the numbers, right? Like, yes, he had the four turnovers, too. In his 35 minutes, though, he only had two rebounds and two assists. So it's not just that the scoring was down. But you think about it from this perspective. It certainly was not a vintage Jason Tatum game. We would all agree on that. And I'll get to Tatum. He only had 16 points. But at least he gives you 15 rebounds and he gives you six assists. And I'm not defending Tatum in this game. I'll get to him in a second. As I said, he didn't play well enough for his standards. But Jalen did nothing else well, right? He When he wasn't scoring, he didn't help you out in other ways. And quite frankly, you could argue outside that play at the, other, at the end of the game, the block on Maxi, he was really a damaging player for the most part. And I just think about it when you're watching the game. I'll run through some of the stuff here. For example, he missed a pull-up three. And he missed a pull-up mid-ranger pretty close together in that first half. On both occasions, there were zero passes within the offense, right? So basically, he just had the ball to begin the possession. Nobody else saw the ball. And a pull-up three and a pull-up mid-ranger, those are shots you can get at any point during your possession. So you didn't make the defense move at all. You didn't make the defense defend any action. You just decided, hey, it's my turn right now. And this is why I said, like, I was concerned with Jalen at the beginning of the season. It felt like my turn, your turn type stuff. But Jalen was the only one playing that way. The rest of the guys weren't playing that way. Tatum was dealing with double teams for the majority of the night. He's passing out of double teams, right? And you're playing with Kristaps Porzingis on the short roll or rolling to the hoop or picking and popping. And it just felt like at times Jalen felt like, hey, I need to shoot on this possession. And that, to me... <laughs> It's just not a good way to play basketball. And he also had a reckless one-on-one drive where he just loses it. It leads to points at the other end. So in the first half, he goes two of eight, five points, minus 10 a game worse at the time. And then in the third quarter, I thought that's when he played even worse. Out of control, he tried to back in Maxi, and then he just shoved him. When it's 63-59, he picks up a foul. What are you doing? He just shoved him for no reason. And then it's 65-62, he just lost the ball in transition. These are the turnovers we talk about that are aggravating with Jalen. He just lost the ball. And this is after a huge Derek White steal on the other end when it's 65-62, as I mentioned. That just can't happen. And then he tries to attack Maxi, and he just throws the ball away. Just throws it away. I, I, I don't know what he's doing. And then he misses a wing three with the game 97-87. Did not shoot that ball confidently. But he was reckless with the ball, I felt like. He made horrible decisions. And I felt like at times he tried to hijacked the offense in the first half where he's like, hey, I need to get my shots right now. So I said after the first game of the season, Jalen was going to have the toughest time fitting in. And this was just another example of that. Like this game and the Knicks game, two out of your seven games. And look, he has great games. I'm not disputing that whatsoever. Just these games like this, the Knicks game and this game tonight, these are games that kind of indicate what I was talking about, where I feel like at times, if Jalen's shot's not going, if Jalen's shot's not score, if he's not scoring, What else is he doing for you? Because he really didn't give you anything in this game tonight. And as I said, Tatum was not great in this game, but I just think about the starters. 
Tatum, not great. Holiday, I thought was awesome defensively. Derek White has 19 and five. Did not shoot well, but 19 and five. He had a big impact and he had a big impact on the offense. Holiday had an impact on the defense. Porzingis had an Im- impact on the offense for sure. I mean, he was outstanding for this team. Tatum had an impact on the glass, even if he had a bad night. Jalen gave you nothing. So out of your five starters, you got something from all these guys. Even though it was a bad game for the team in totality, you got something from everybody else. Jalen gave you nothing, right? And that's why I said it's just it's one of these things where his specialty is scoring. That's what Jalen Brown is. If you go through the starting five, because Porzingis can provide shot blocking, as we've seen in a lot of games this season, the other three guys, Tatum, White, and Holiday, you put that group together with Jalen. All the guys in the starting lineup are but better defenders than Jalen Brown, right? So if he's not scoring, what is he doing? That's the question I have. Like, he's not going at attacking the boards or anything along those lines. We know he's not going to be a great passer. What is he doing if he's not scoring? And tonight was just sort of evidence to that, right? And look, this team is going to be great. And Jalen will probably go out there and have 30 against the Nets on Friday night. But if his shot isn't falling, he needs to give you something else. And he just, he doesn't give you playmaking. He doesn't give you quality defense all the time and the sloppy turnovers. And the one thing you just can't do, you can't hijack the offense the way that he does at times, right? So the other thing I would just mention, and look, I put these numbers out on Twitter or whatever it's called now, X today, right? Do you call it X? Like, what do you say? Hey, this tweet, like this, I don't know what to say for the tweet. I understand Twitter and X, but I don't know what you say for the tweet. Is it just the X? I don't know. Anyway, I'm getting caught up here. It's late. So anyway, let me get back to this. So Tatum, if you look at the numbers this year, with Tatum on the court, and this is before the advanced numbers calculate to tonight's game, Tatum was a plus 97 overall. Obviously, that's going down after tonight. Plus 20.8 net rating. So the Celtics outscore teams by almost 21 points per 100 with Tatum on the court. They have a 122.5 offensive rating. Tatum off the court, the Celtics have been outscored this year by 10 points prior to tonight. The net rating, points per 100, is minus 4.9 and a 106.9 offensive rating, which is just horrendous in the modern-day NBA. If you look at the numbers with Tatum on the court and Jalen off, 125.4 offensive rating, 104.9 defensive rating, 20.5 net rating. So Tatum, without Jalen Brown, this team is outscoring teams by north of 20 points per 100 possessions. Okay, well, what about when Jalen's on the court and Tatum's off the court? Just a 105.3 offensive rating for the Celtics, a 114.1 defensive rating, which is not bad. The offense is the bad thing, 105.3, minus 8.8 net rating. So the Celtics are getting outscored by 8.8 points per 100 possessions with Jalen on the court and Tatum off the court. And this has been going on for years now. So they have to find the right lineup with Jalen. I think it's going to be Derek White and Kristaps Porzingis, but I just think sometimes he plays way too selfishly and he's way too careless with the ball, and it sticks too much. He needs to be decisive. And this is why, like, you look at these numbers with Jalen. It's been going on for years when he doesn't play with Tatum. Tatum plays without him. The team is still elite, right? But I felt like this year, this is going to be the best season for the Celtics in the non-Tatum minutes, and we haven't seen that so far this season. And Jalen is never going to be able to carry a second unit or carry a team without Jason Tatum, right? Like, he needs playmaking around him, And so they got to find the right mix of that because what we've seen is just Jalen, he cannot generate good offense. Yes, Jalen can get super hot and he can be an elite scorer at times. He cannot generate good offense. He does not have the gravity that Tatum has and he can't play make, right? So it's just, it's really, it's one of these things where 
we had questions like before the season or into the offseason, I should say, is he really a super max player? Right. And I've always said that he's not a top 15 player in the league. And one of the things that happened last year is he sort of got into the all NBA conversation. And look, he deserved it. I'm not saying he didn't. But if you were ranking the forwards in the NBA, he wouldn't get it if these other guys were healthy. Good for him. He got his money. It's awesome for Jalen Brown individually. I'm not saying that. And you got your money. But this is part of the sort of the thing about it. Well, he's not really one of the best 15 players in the world, the All-NBA guy, because he's basically just a score. Now, he can turn on the defense. He's never been a great on-ball or off-ball defender, I should say. We've seen moments on-ball, like one of the examples would be what he did against James Harden in the postseason last year. But I just think this is going to be a story all season long. When they have losses like this, is he worth the $300 million? So he's got to find a way to just, he's got to be better defensively, more consistently, and maybe he can rebound the basketball a little bit more, go after rebounds with more passion, something along those lines. But you can't have these nights where it's just, it's an off shooting night. We'd all acknowledge that, but you got to get something from him, right? I mean, he's making $300 million. You can't have a night like this. So it's just something to monitor because everybody else, like the fit seems kind of easy for most of these guys. And Jalen seems to be the one exception to that. All right. So Tatum, we mentioned 15 boards, six assists, but just the 16 points. Here's the issue I had. Just three free throws and 14 shots. Fewest shots he's taken in a game this year. And look, I acknowledge that he was getting double teamed a lot in this game. They were sending two defenders at him. And smart move by Nick Nurse. By the way, that's another thing to factor in now. Nick Nurse is the coach of the 76ers. No offense to Doc. I'd much rather have Nick Nurse as my coach than Doc Rivers, right? And this is a guy that Joe Mazzulla and the staff are going to have to go up against in the postseason. It's just something to monitor. He's done a really good job there early on in Philadelphia. And heck, he remember, he outcoached Brad Stevens in the bubble. That Toronto team had no business taking the Celtics to seven games that year. No business whatsoever. Remember the whole taco fall thing on the inbounder? That was just stupid. But anyway, getting back to my original point here is... Even though you're doubled, he needs to find a way to take more shots than 14 and three free throws. Because here's the thing is the standard is he's a first team All-NBA guy, right? We would all be surprised if he doesn't get that again this year. Heck, I talked about it the other day. He's the most complete player in the NBA from my perspective, and he should be in the MVP conversation. And it's just the first time, even though he wasn't great in that game on Monday night, it's the first time all season long, this game tonight, that I didn't feel Tatum. You didn't feel him, right? Where he wasn't putting pressure on the defense. You didn't feel, there was never that stretch in the game where you're like, here comes Tatum. You never felt him in this game, which as a superstar level player, you need to have your imprint on the game. And I just feel like Tatum really didn't have that moment tonight where it's like, okay, it's my turn to take over. We never really saw that from Tatum in this game. And the reality is this, he's now been outplayed by Edwards on Monday. And then tonight, Joel Embiid, the reigning MVP, is the best player on the court. He went for 27 and 10. And he dealt with funky defenses too, right? Like I talk about Tatum getting doubled and all this. Well, Joel Embiid dealt with, they put a six foot four guy on him and they had a guy or six foot five, whatever Drew's actual height is. And then you had a guy that is seven four coming over as a roaming shot blocker. They kind of tried to do what they, in the first quarter at least, they kind of tried to do what they used to do with Robert Williams, right? So like he had to deal with a lot of different things as well in this game. So the standard for Tatum is play at an MVP level, and tonight, unfortunately, he didn't. And I have no worries about Tatum. You know how I feel about the guy. No worries at all. But huge game in Philly. I just need more. It wasn't like he had an off-shooting night or anything. It's just he needed to shoot more. And we rarely say this about Tatum. Like, he's usually aggressive. He just needed more shots from Jason Tatum, right? And I get it. They were 
doing different things. Like they were scheming to try to stop Jason Tatum, give them credit. Nick Nurse came up, up with a good game plan, but he's got to be more aggressive than he was tonight from a scoring perspective. And the big thing now is you look at it, Tatum and Brown, 27 points and beat him maxi 52. You're not going to win a game when that happens. And the crazy thing is your guys kept you in it, but your superstars have to win you the game. And you didn't get that performance from Jalen or Tatum. Tonight. Obviously, the Jalen thing is way more concerning than the Tatum thing. Okay. A couple of other things that I would deem concerning. So I was I said this a couple maybe like two weeks ago at the beginning of the season. I wasn't concerned about the bench scoring, right? If they weren't a high scoring bench because your five best players are in your starting lineup. So I wasn't concerned about that. And I thought actually Hauser, that was a bright spot in this game. He had three threes and he had one of those threes that was the Clay Thompson release where he catches the ball and he never brings it down. He nailed the three that way. So I thought that was great to see Hauser hit some shots because you love it when he gives you shooting because it just helps you with your spacing, right? Like he's going to get open shots because of the players that he plays with. So I thought that was nice to see. But the two reserves you were depending on the most, Pritchard and Al Horford, they're giving you no offense at all. So Pritchard hasn't scored since last Wednesday, okay? (laughs) Since last Wednesday. He's played 55 minutes, and he scored zero points during that stretch, right? So he's played almost an hour of basketball, and he has no points. That's nearly impossible, okay? That's like some P.J. Tucker, Andre Robertson level shit. You're a shooter, and it seems to be in his head, right? He missed a floater badly. Did you see that floater that he missed? It's like he pulled the string on it, and it barely grazed. He was coming from the almost like the left corner, and it barely grazed like that side of the rim. And then he missed the three-pointer badly as well that wasn't close whatsoever. So I don't know if it's the yips. But he doesn't seem comfortable shooting right now. He was just extended. Like the organization believes in you. And you're here because they obviously think you can be a contributor to this team going forward. And it's a good number that I thought it was a good number. I bought into the, I thought Pritchard was going to have a good season. But man, he's got to shoot himself out of this funk because this is just bad. I, this You need something from Pritchard. You were depending on him to be, what, seventh in your team in minutes this season in terms of minutes per game after your starters and Al Horford? And you're getting three consecutive games of goose eggs? That's almost impossible. Think about it. Playing an hour of basketball and you have zero points. That is unbelievable to me. So that's something that certainly they got to figure that one out. Because he's too good of a shooter to put up these type of numbers. And I do feel really feel like it's in his head right now. I think he's just got to, in this game on Friday night, see a couple go in. Because that's a big part of this bench. They need him because he does do other things. Like, I give him credit. Got an offensive rebound in this game tonight. He does push the ball. But the reality of the situation is he is just, he's got to start knocking down shots. I hate to make it sound that simplistic, but that's just it. He needs to hit more shots. No other thing to say about it. Okay. The other guy is Horford. So Horford was a minus 23 in 26 minutes. That's also nearly impossible to do. Minus 23 in 26 minutes. The team lost by three. And he was a minus 23 in 26 minutes. He was one of six on threes. He had one wing three that was way off. So on the season now, Al is five of 22 from three, 22.7%. 14 of 40 from the field, 35%. Remember, Al Horford was number two in the NBA in three-point shooting last year. He was an elite three-point shooter. He's not knocking anything down. He has 35 points in 170 minutes. And he's not going to be a big scorer, but five a game? So I don't know if it's he's getting used to this bench role because he's never been a reserve type player or 
as Pina pointed out, he thought that he looked old in that game on Monday. I thought he looked old in the postseason last year, where he couldn't basically throw the ball in the ocean, where he shot south of 30%. So you do get a little bit concerned where there's no Grant on this team anymore. He's playing in Dallas. Is Al starting to show signs of aging? Because they really need him in these big matchups, and he's been a no-show. So I was not concerned about the bench scoring, but now I'm starting to be concerned about your two bench guys, right? I didn't think that we were going to see this type of start for both Pritchard and Al Horford. I mean, just one of those guys had been decent to start the season. You feel pretty good about it. So those two, that's just it. Those two guys have to be a lot better than they've been. And there's no other way to sugarcoat this. They have to be much better. And clearly this was really, it's been a horrible start for Pritchard. And you could argue, I would actually know, it's been worse for Pritchard than Al. But both these guys get to get going here. They need to contribute. They've been zeros this season and they certainly cannot be zeros. Okay, so... The other thing I would just mention from a positive perspective is Drew, man, he was plus 13 in a game he lost by three points, 12, five, and five. He just does, and I thought Derek White played well too, but he just does everything, man. He's taken on these matchups against Towns and Embiid. It's just a pleasure to watch this guy every night. Like, I look forward to watching Drew Holiday play. Like, you can do everything with this guy defensively. So that's awesome to see. So a couple of other things. I mentioned the pace the other day with Philly, where they've gone to 27th to 11 with Nick Nurse. They want to push the ball. So you knew that coming into the game. Joe Mazzulla actually said it before the game that they were going to try to push the ball. Philly had 24 fast break points in this game. They're first in the NBA at 21.3 per game. They had more than their season average. This is one of the number one things on the scouting report before the game. Hey, they want to push the ball with the new regime with Nick Nurse. You got to be better than that if you're the Celtics, right? You can't allow that to happen. So that's one thing that... Almost half those transition points came in that second quarter where the Celtics just completely let go of the rope. So that's like an emphasis thing. And that's not a coaching thing. That's not on Joe Mazzulla, right? That's on the players. Hey, you know that they're going to push the ball. Nick Nurse has been doing this for years. The Celtics should definitely know this. I mean, especially the guys that have been around, like the Jalens and the Jason Tatum. Those guys should know. That's how they like have been competitive over the past couple of years when they didn't have good half-court offenses. They pushed the basketball. I know last year Toronto wasn't great, but you get my point here. You got you to gotta be better than that if you're the Celtics. So that's just an emphasis thing. And then the offense, right? 100 possessions, 103 points. So easy to do that. That's a 103 offensive rating. Portland's last in the league at 103.8. So it, you're not going to win many games. And the sad thing is you're actually in it. So the Celtics took, what, 47 threes in this game. They hit just 15, 31.9%. As I said, I don't have an issue with the threes. Like Dallas leads the league at 43.1%, so almost four more. But here's the thing is, the Celtics, this was just one of those nights where they couldn't knock down shots, right? So if you look at it on the season, they were, or tonight, they were four of 13 on corner threes. So they got 13 corner threes up. That's a good number, right? You want to be taking corner threes. That's one of the most efficient shots in the NBA, But 4 of 13, that's not good enough, uh, 30.8%. And you do it out, White was 1 of 3, which that's fine, 1 of 3, okay, you'd like that to be 2 of 3, but just 1 of 3 tonight. Al was 0 of 3, he's the guy that we point to, like, that's got to be better. Hauser hit 3 of his 5, but Pritchard was 0 of 1. So if you just get more consistent shooting from White, Al, and Pritchard in those particular situations, you're in the game. So I, I don't really have an issue with the shot selection, I just feel like, To me tonight, you're missing shots. 
Tatum wasn't aggressive enough and Jalen took bad shots. Like if you're talking about the shot selection, I didn't have really a big problem. Like, yeah, you can look at the numbers and say, hey, they were taking bad shots. I, I didn't think that was the case, right? Like 13 is a really good number in terms of generating corner threes. The Mavs lead the league at 11.7. Al, as we mentioned, was an elite shooter last year. Pritchard is out there to hit threes, okay? So those should be, and Hauser did knock him down to his credit, right? He knocked down three. So these are shots that this team can certainly hit. So it just really, it's a bad shooting night. And you would expect these guys, and you would hope that Pritchard and Al start to knock down shots. They need to start doing that. Okay. And because that's sort of the aggravating part, because your defense, you had a 103.9 defensive rating. That would have ranked third in the league this year. So if your offense just plays a little bit better, if Jalen isn't turning the ball over like crazy, if Pritchard and Al can knock down some shots, if Tatum was a little bit more aggressive, well, this is a game that you should have won, right? I mean, that's the thing that sticks out to me. The other thing I will say is the Celtics couldn't hit anything from the mid-range. They were just 3 of 17, 17.6%. No team is worse than 33.9%. So you don't want to be taking a lot of mid-rangers to begin with. It's the most inefficient shot in the NBA, but you also don't want to go 3 of 17. Like, you got to hit a couple of those to keep the defense honest, right? But a little disappointing to me that I would say the if I was ranking the most disappointing things of the night, number one would be Jalen. Number two would be that Tatum wasn't aggressive enough, aggressive enough for my liking. Number three would I, I wanted more Drew on Embiid because I thought it was effective. And then secondarily, from a selfish perspective, I thought it was just fun. I was having fun watching that matchup. So maybe that's just a selfish thing. And then the last thing I would say is just your bench guys, as we mentioned, like the big thing to me is it's not about like these guys don't have to score a ton of points. You just have to hit open shots and Pritchard and Al, they're not doing it. Like there's so many good players that other teams have to account for with Tatum and with Jalen, with Derek White and with Drew Holiday, with Kristaps Porzingis. You guys have to knock down open shots. Bottom line. And the Al thing is more concerning to me than the Pritchard thing because Pritchard, I believe he's going to shoot himself out of this thing. Al, I'm worried about the age, man. Like, he looks his age right now. Pena's the first guy that pointed this out the other day, and I'm kind of feeling it. And you need Al for Bam, for Embiid, for Giannis. Like, you need Al. So that, to me, is definitely a concern going forward. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. 
Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. All right, but let's bring in producer extraordinaire Jamie McClellan. Jamie, what's right. going on, man? We we had to hop on here after this game because it's Boston, it's Philly. They're hyping up the rivalry. Uh, what the fuck happened, man? I mean, okay, you heard my soliloquy that I went through. What are your biggest issues in this game tonight? And what do you what do you disagree with uh, with me on this? Or do you agree with most of it? Like, where are you at, man? Are you just pissed off? What I mean, like, yeah. we expect this from the Patriots. This is the Celtics. Come on. <laughs> We got enough of this in the Patriots. And look, I want to be abundantly clear about this. I'm still very high on the Celtics. I still think they're going to win the NBA championship and all this. But it was just, it was an ugly performance. And I felt like after the first quarter, they didn't match the energy that Philly came with. Yeah, the energy part is is concerning, I'd say. Because like you said, I mean, the weird part is all the things that you point out are true. And so it's just this perfect storm that made them lose tonight. Like you could have had a horrible Jalen game. You could have even had that combined with a Tatum game. If your bench gives you something, it was just every little thing went wrong. And I guess, I guess we'll see if this is like a pattern if these games keep happening or if this is just a random game. Cause when you look at it on paper, you're like, wow, this like a, like five things went wrong in a row to make them lose by three points. Right. So, right. Maybe it'll just be a crazy outlier game, but maybe not. But it, it's frustrating because it was it was there for you. I mean, they only let up 106 points. The Sixers didn't play. I didn't think all that well either, and they could have had it. Yeah, and I just, I don't know about, like, the Tatum thing is he just wasn't aggressive enough tonight. And maybe part of that is, hey, they caught him. He saw, maybe he saw some things that he's not used to, like help was coming from a certain area. Like, I, I totally understand that. And I love the fact that in a game where I'm criticizing him for not being aggressive enough, he got 15 rebounds. Like, mm-hmm. he got 15 rebounds in the game, which is pretty amazing, right? Like, I've, I've said it multiple times, this guy's an elite rebounder. But at least he brought it, right? Like, he brought, he brought. I wish he was more aggressive offensively, but he contributed something. And I just feel like the Jalen thing to me is just, this is the same thing we saw in that Knicks game yeah. to open up the season. Like I said, he'll probably go out oh, and he'll have yeah. 30, and then I'll have, you know, 29 the next game, whatever it is. Like, he can just explode offensively. But it feels like, to me, if he doesn't have it early from a scoring perspective, it's just like, uh, did we just lose this guy for the night? Like, because some of the, I don't want to call it hero ball, but some of it, Not like, hey, I haven't, I haven't shot the ball in, like, three possessions. Like, yeah. I got to do something. Like, I, I just, I don't think like he, and look, wait, I don't know. I'm not in his head. I don't know if he loves, like, that there is more guys involved. Like, obviously, he wants to win. That's the number one thing. But it's like this offense where a lot of different guys need touches and a lot of different guys are making plays. And I just feel like sometimes if he's not in that rhythm, we've already seen it twice this season where it's just been like, ugh, like, what is he doing out there? Yeah, I think I noticed he had the the fourth most amount of shots on the team this game and that probably was the first time that's happened to him in his career almost so I'm sure it is weird positioning for him I think between him having a bad game and and Tatum not having like an absolute stellar game I think weirdly the the Tatum part bothers me a little bit more just because Mm. I just I this is what I expect from from Jalen Brown we've all seen it the past few years he has these really infuriating games and for me I just we were talking about how Tatum you know most complete player is he taking that next step and I just feel like if you're going to play, you know, the other best team in the Eastern Conference, I want you to bring it, you know, I want you to have that, you know, eye of the tiger stuff and just be an MVP guy. And, you know, like you said, he still contributed in a lot of ways, but sometimes I feel like if you're going to be the top dog, you're going to have saddle the most blame. The buck stops with him and, you know, he, he's got to play a little bit better. 
You know, that's an interesting way to look at it because it's almost like what you're saying is basically these are going to happen to Jalen every once in a while. It's he's going to be the toughest guy to fit in, right? Like in terms of his game, right? Like White and Drew are always going to contribute even if they're not scoring because of the elite defense, right? And because naturally as the guards in this team, they're going to have the ball in their hands a lot, right? In terms of setting up the offense and that type of stuff. But with... Jalen, it's just we kind of have to expect this from time to time because he's not going to shoot the ball well all the time. And the other thing with Jalen is he doesn't get to the free throw line a ton either, right? To like get out of his shooting slump or whatever. That's that's maybe something that we like Tatum and Jalen mm. both barely got to the line in this game tonight. Tatum gets to the line with consistency like when he wants to, but Jalen doesn't really do that. I wonder if part of that is he's never been a great free throw shooter and he's missed right. a lot of clutch ones throughout his career as well. I remember the overtime game. Last year, where Julius Randle's like laughing at him, whatever. But I do feel like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that's just the way to look at it. It's every once in a while, every couple games, or every couple weeks, I should say, because we got two of them, right? And they've been two weeks apart. So every yeah. two weeks, we'll get one of these games where Jalen doesn't shoot the ball well. And this is just sort of, you live with this because then we'll have the playoff game where he goes for 32 points yeah. and he's not missing and Tatum has an off night, right? So I guess maybe that, I just like my one. My big critique with Jalen would just be this. Well, besides like the careless turnovers is I just, he said before the season that he wants to be better defensively. He said that like, and I, I don't see it. I, yeah. Look, he get the great block at the end of the game, but I don't see it. Like I feel Tatum on defense. I feel Porzingis on defense as a shot blocker. I feel Derek White on defense and fuck everybody feels Drew Holiday on defense. Like, <laughs> dude, I don't even yeah. know. Like, I'm worried they're going to test him for PDs. I don't know how he'd be that strong. As I, I say that facetiously, of course, but that dude is put together. You don't feel Jalen. Like, we saw it briefly in that series against the 76ers. It's like, man, you're 6'7", you're diced up, you're one of the best athletes in the NBA. Why aren't you an elite defender? And part yeah. of it is just at times he's, like, sleepy on defense. So I know it sounds like I'm complaining about Jalen a lot, but it's just like, I don't know, man. I, I get I get aggravated with him sometimes, and it's just... You know right away when it's not going for Jalen. You're like, okay, this is this is not going to be his night. All right, so then maybe, to me, the most frustrating or the most aggravating part about Jalen is just a selfish thing. Because imagine if you had a seven-game parlay or <laughs> okay, let's hear that it. was plus 16.05. Oof. So again, plus 16.05, profit boost, thanks to our friends at FanDuel, from plus 12.34 up to plus 16.05. So, if you had Laurie Markkinen over 23 and a half points hit, Derek White 10 points hit, Drew Holiday 4 rebounds hit, Drew Holiday 10 points hit, Kyle Kuzma 20 points hit, LaMelo Ball 20 points hit, Jalen Brown 20 points, oh. he had 11. Oh, so maybe oh. selfishly, that's part of why I'm aggravated, because I had a seven-leg parlay for oh plus 16.05. All I needed was 20 points. 20 points from Jalen. Like, that was one of the ones I was least worried about. 20 points from Jalen Brown. Come on, man. Plus 16.05. He wasn't even that close until he hit that three-pointer either at the end of the game. He was still at eight for a while. But I knew in the second quarter, I knew he wasn't getting it. I thought early, like, he had, like, the two transition points. I'm like, boom, here we go. Let's go. Let's get Jalen into this because I felt confident about the rest of him. But, hey, maybe that is part of the reason that I'm aggravated about this. It's hard not to let it affect you. Oh, Brian, by the way, I meant to ask you. In terms of the Drew Holiday on uh, Embiid, do you think it's like a yeah. matter of them just like not thinking he can do that the whole game long, just like wearing down kind of thing? It could have been that. I, it, You could be right. That could have been it. But 
It was I don't know, I just keep, it was I would just working. keep doing it. Like, I feel like you, like, I, it almost felt like maybe they overthought it where they're like, hey, they're going to figure something out right. with Embiid because yeah. Nick Nurse is a good coach. And they said, let's put Porzingis on him. But I feel like that's it. Porzingis in that sense, and they're not the same type of players, but from my perspective, it makes more sense to have Porzingis be the roamer. And now in the starting lineup, of course, you don't have Al Horford, so you don't have a traditional big. So it's like, let's put our six foot five guard in him. But I'd rather do that because the other thing I think is that he's more at a risk is Porzingis for foul trouble than basically is Drew Holiday, even mm-hmm. though Drew Holiday's given up all that size because Drew Holiday bodies him. And then you can send the doubles more. So I, I don't know. I, I, I felt like they should have just kept Drew on him. But you're probably right. Like, hey, do you want <laughs> do, you, do you want your all defensive team guard defending this absolutely <laughs> massive man yeah. for the entire time he's on the court, right? So yeah, I can certainly see that as well. I gave them credit too. Like I thought that was a nice wrinkle. I mm-hmm. thought it was a good wrinkle the other night where they put him on the kitten. I thought that was a good idea. So <laughs> I feel like it was a good idea tonight. But overall, like as like we get out some of the problems we had in this game, like you still think that this team is going to be probably the number one seed in the East and they're going to make a deep run into the postseason. But it's just every once in a while, like I thought at times like, we were over these type of nights, yeah. not losing tough games, but the second quarter. Like, what was that? What was going on in the second quarter? Then the Jalen turnovers. Like, I kind of thought we were through with this type of stuff, especially in a game against Philadelphia. So I guess that was aggravating. We'll see what they do on Friday night. I'm excited for that game. And man, I, I don't know. The court. I get it. Like, they're trying to do things differently, but they're, they're hard on the eyes, though. Yeah. And it's it's the parquet, man. You don't yeah. you don't mess with that, right? There's certain things that you just don't mess with. Like the Knicks, like MSG, don't don't mess with your court, man. Like you have a great they mess with it all the time for some reason. I just I I don't understand these things. And the uniforms, the Celtics uniforms, I'll give they're them fine. credit. They're not they're not hellacious, right? Like these other ones. But their regular white uniforms are better than their <laughs> alternates. Yeah. Like oh, they got to wear these ones because they're in the tournament. So that that one to me doesn't make sense whatsoever, but Hey, what are you going to do? They lose the game tonight, Jamie. They'll be back at it on Friday. We'll have another pod coming out at the end of the week for you, getting you ready for the Patriots and the Colts. And I have, um, this is a pod tease for the next pod. Usually you have like a tease for the next segment. I think I know what Robert Kraft, or I should say it this way. I think I know who's going to be the Patriots quarterback next year. I have put these pieces together, Jamie. You are going to be... Amazed. Tom Brady? No, not Tom Brady. That would (laughs) would be great. But let's just say this. Tom Brady may factor into this. Juicy. I can't wait for next pod. Yes, we'll get ready for that. (laughs) All right, as always, make sure to get your voicemails in. 617-396-7172. Email your thoughts and questions to offthepike at gmail.com. Thanks to Jamie McClellan and Steve Strudy for producing this podcast, and we'll chat in a couple of days. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little 
sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 